Hello, I want to welcome you back to Bible Studies with Russ. Uh, this is the start of Season 3, Study Number 1. <clears throat> we'll be looking at the book of Revelation. Um, much <laughs> has been said about Revelation, and much could be said about it. Um, I'm sure behind me I have four or so, if not more, commentaries on the book of Revelation. Um, I've done... A series on the book of Revelation, a sermon, or a sermon series, you should say, on it, uh, more than once. <laughs> um, and so we're going to begin by looking at it today. Uh, we're going to look at some introduction uh, to the book, uh, an outline to the book, uh, and then if we have time, we'll get into chapter one. Uh, the book of Revelation is probably mo- is probably one of the most uh, Difficult uh, books of the Bible for trying to understand uh, all the um, figures uh, that are used there. Uh, there's a lot of figurative language, a lot of imagery, imagery in there, uh, in Revelation. It's probably the most figurative uh, book of the Bible. Uh, John Hagee, a old-time, I guess he's Baptist, don't know. A uh, preacher used to love for the longest time to talk about the book of Revelation. Uh, he got a big following when he would do lessons on it. And he put up a big picture in the background that was, I mean, the size of a wall. And he talked about Revelation and 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 uh, did that for a long time. And I think it's where a lot of his popularity came from. Um, but a lot has been said about Revelation. Um we're going to go through and we're going to look at this. Uh, I've done different approaches to this. I've kind of done an overview before. This is not going to be an overview. We're going to look a little more at it because I think a lot of uh, folks would like to know some opinions about some of the images. And so we will talk about that, uh, at least in some detail. Um, there are some who believe you can't, you can't know what every image or uh, figurative uh, figure of language is used, what it means. Uh, I think we can know at least a good portion of them. Like some of them, we have some options to consider. Um, but uh, the book of Revelation has, and like I said before, it's one I've done a sermon a series on. I've done a series of Bible classes on. I've done a sermon series here where I did it kind of like an overview where I didn't really focus on... Uh, every image uh, in the book of Revelation, uh, just some big picture uh, things for us to learn from it. And then when I was in South Carolina, uh, I did a more detailed, more in-depth, in uh, at least more than the last one I did, on the book of Revelation. And I have compiled, like many have, uh, my own set of material on this uh, Looking at a lot of different commentaries over, over the over the years, uh, and uh, my own study, and some things of that nature, I've just compiled my own. Now, some information has been gathered from others. I don't claim to be a scholar concerning the Book of Revelation, um, but I do know uh, we can definitely come away with the truth because there's a lot of false ideas out there concerning the book of Revelation, and we do I do mean a lot. Um, but we're going to get into first an outline of the book, and then we'll get into some different ways people have viewed the book, the way it's treated, and then some more general, general, general introduction to the book. And then also, uh, like I said, we have time to get into chapter 1. Um, 
my introduction is not nearly as long as others. <laughs> um, we could go into a lot of history and things of that nature. Um, Homer Haley, who's one of the better commentators on the book of Revelation, at least in my opinion, uh, it's a very thick book, and half of it is introduction to the book. Um, we're not going to do that. And so, um, but there's a lot of commentaries out there, and if you're looking for one to, to read, um, I have a couple here. Um, but if you're interested in that, um, Homer Haley wrote one. Um, there's one by Summers. There's one by Robert Taylor. It's not Robert Taylor Jr., uh, but it is, uh, excuse me, not Robert Taylor, Donald Taylor. Um, Max Patterson, who taught Greek when I was in preaching school, has one on the Revel- on the book of Revelation. Uh, he's wrote commentaries on all the New Testament. I believe that's it. At least in my mind, those are the ones that are worth uh mentioning like i said there's a whole host out there some others out there i know the gospel of christ uh has one of the revelation i don't actually have that one um but there's a lot of commentaries out there and like anything with a commentary you're reading the ideas and the uh the ideas of someone who has studied and this is what they have come away with what they believe a particular verse or book is talking about and so a commentary is just that it's a commentary written by a man um and so I have never come across a commentary that I agree with 100% on every single thing. Uh, and so uh, just something you have to bear in mind. But those are some uh, common, some that I have, and there's some others out there. If you want more detail on that, you can message me or leave a message here in our Facebook group. If you're listening to this in a podcast form, uh, you can go on the BibleWayMedia.org and send some message that way. And I'll be glad to get back with you on that. Okay, the book of Revelation, first an outline of it. Um, you have first a prologue in Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. I'm just going to give you this outline. I'm not going to read any of these verses yet uh, because we'll, talk, we'll, we'll touch on this outline as we go throughout the study. But you have a prologue in chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Uh, you have a salutation and address in verses 4 through 6 of chapter 1. And then you have the introductory vision in chapter 1, 7 through 20. Uh, and that's just chapter 1. So there's your three points. Prologue, salutation, and address, and then the introductory vision, which we'll talk about as we get into chapter 1. Uh, bigger outline now. Um, chapters 2 through 3 are the, are the letters to the seven churches of Asia. I've actually done a series of lessons on, on Revelation where I actually just skipped those. Because when you hear about uh, the book of Revelation, a lot of times you hear seven churches of Asia. I mean, I'll say a lot of times, I don't mean every single time. But you hear a lot of sermons on the, on the seven churches of Asia. You don't always hear a lot about from chapter 4 on. Um, and not, that peop- not that I think people are avoiding it, but you hear, you hear a lot of sermons on the seven churches of Asia. We are going to talk about them in this study. Um, but I've... Like I said, I approach Revelation and done in different styles over the years. But anyway, um, the seven churches of Asia, uh, verses chapters two through three, you have Ephesus in chapters chapter two one through seven. You have Smyrna, and I encourage you. I know I'm going through this quickly, so I encourage you if you're taking notes, just to pause. <laughs> um, but uh, Ephesus chapter two one through seven, uh, Smyrna chapter two verses eight through eleven. Um, uh, Pergamum, Pergamum, you know me, I can't pronounce some of these names. Chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. 
And then you have Thyatira, chapter 2, verses 18 through 29. You have Sardis, chapter 3, 1 through 6. Philadelphia, chapter 3, 7 through 13. And Laodicea, chapter 3, 14 through 22. And those are the seven churches of Asia uh, discussed there in chapters 2 through 3. In chapters 4 and 5, I have titled as God on the Throne in chapters 4 and 5. You have God is worshipped. Again, this is my, how I've labeled this. There's a lot of outlines on Revelation out there. Um, this is just how I've done it. Chapters 4 and 5, God on the Throne. Chapter 4 is God is worshipped. And chapter 5 is the Lamb is worshipped. It's going to be God is worshipped. Chapter 4, the Lamb is worshipped. Chapter 5. Um, then you have the seven seals, chapter 6, verse 1, through chapter 8, verse 1. Again, this, you start, as you get into Revelation, especially if you get past, you know, you get an, an introductory vision in chapter 1, then you have the seven churches of Asia in 2 and 3, then you're back into just visions and images uh, and um, figurative language. You have the seven seals, chapter 6, one, chapter, chapter six verse 1, through chapter 8, verse 1. Uh, the first seal, the white horse, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. The second seal, the red horse, chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Uh, the third seal, the black horse, chapter 6, verses 5 through 6. The fourth seal, the pale horse, chapter 6, verses 7 through 8. Uh, the fifth seal, saints under the altar, chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. The sixth seal, uh, the great earthquake, chapter 6, verses 12 through 17. And then an intermission of hope, that's what I call it here, chapter 7, verses 1 through 17. And within that section of chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, I have a further breakdown. Again, I'm going a little bit quickly, so if you, have to, you may have to pause this if you're taking notes. Um, chapter 7, in chapter 7, verses uh, 1 Verses 1 through 8, you have the 144,000 sealed. Um, again, a lot of pe people have said a lot of things about Revelation. And the 144,000 is another area where people have said a lot of things about it. Uh, the 144,000 sealed, chapters 7, 1 through 8. The great multitude, chapters 7, verses 9 through 17. And so you have two main divisions there in chapter 7. And then in chapter 8, uh, the seventh seal, silence, introducing the seven trumpets, chapter 8, verse 1. There's the seventh seal, silence, introducing the seven trumpets. And then in chapter 8, verse 2, through chapter 11, verse 19, you have the seven, tr or you have the, uh, the seven trumpets. Um, so the seventh seal, chapter 8, verse 1, then the seven trumpets, uh, chapter 8, verse 2, through chapter 11, verse 19. And then further breaking that section down here, you have the angel with a golden censer, verse, chapter 8, verses 2 through 5. Uh, you have the trumpets, chapter 8, verse 6 through chapter 11, verse 19. And then breaking down chapter 8, verse 6 through chapter 11, verse 19. Breaking that down a little bit further, you have the first trumpet, chapter 8, verse 7. You have the second trumpet, chapter 8, verses 8 through 9. You have the third trumpet, chapter 8, verses 10 through 11. The fourth trumpet, chapter 8, verses 12 through 13. The fifth trumpet and the first woe, chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. And then the sixth trumpet, the second woe, chapter 9, verses 13 through 21. And then you have what I call an intermission in chapter 10, verse 1 through chapter 11, verse 13. 
the intermission, chapter 10, verse 1, chapter through chapter 11, verse 13. And within that section of chapter 10, verse 1, through chapter 11, verse 13, have it broken down in two more points here. Uh, actually, a few more points. Uh, you have the mighty angel with a little book, which is a very interesting study. Uh, chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. The mighty angel with the little book. And then you have the temple is measured in chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. And then you have the two witnesses in chapter 11, verses 3 through 13. And then you have the seventh trumpet, the third woe, chapter 11, verses 14 through 19. And just going through this outline, you see there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, Chapter 12, I have it simply called War in Heaven. War in Heaven, chapter, chapter, uh, chapter 12. Chapter 13, the two beasts, or two beasts, chapter 13. Uh, You have the beast from the sea, chapter 13, 1 through 10, and the beast from the land, chapter 13, 11 through 18. Uh, You have the lamb on Mount Zion, chapter 14. You have the seven plagues, chapter 15, verse 1, through chapter 16, verse 21. And then within that section here, you have the introductory vision of victory in chapter 15. And then you have the bowls of wrath in chapter 16. Uh, you have the first bowl in chapter 16, verse 2. The second bowl in, chapter, in verse 3. The third bowl in verses 4 through 7. These are all chapter 16. Uh, the fourth bowl, verses 8 through 9. The fifth bowl, 10 through 11. The sixth bowl, 12 through 16. And the seventh bowl, 17 through 21. And those are all found, the bowls of wrath, all in chapter 16. And then you have the great harlot. In chapters 17 and 18. Uh, Then you have the two suppers in chapter 19. And I have that broken down. The marriage supper of the Lamb, chapter 19, 1 through 10. And the supper of the great God, chapter 19, 11 through 21. And then in chapter 20, I have the final victory in chapter 20. And breaking down chapter 20 a little bit further, I have the reigning with Christ, verses 1 through 6. Satan casts into Hades. Verses 7 through 10, and the final judgment, 11 through 15. Again, all chapter 20. Chapters 21 and 22, the new heaven and the new earth. The new Jerusalem is in uh, chapters 20, chapter 21, verse 1, through chapter 22, verse 5. You have what I call then the epilogue, chapter 22, 6 through 17. And then the conclusion, chapter 22, 18 through 21. And I know you'll probably, if you're, again, if you're writing this, some of that down, there's a lot of stuff there. And so I do encourage you anytime in any of these studies, uh, past or present that we've done, feel free to pause it uh, as we go through this. Um, okay, moving past the outline to the book of Revelation, more into the introduction to the book, the title. Revelation means to, un- un- to unveil, to uncover, to lay bare, or to reveal. So it's the book of revealing, the book of uncovering something. Something's going to be revealed. Um, and so uh, revealing something has, has not been known before. The author is John in chapter 1, verse 1, the John of son of Zebedee. And we also see that in John 1, excuse me, in uh, chapter 1, verses 4, verse 9, verse 11, and chapter 22, verse 8. John is one of the chosen twelve. He's the author of, of four other New Testament books, uh, the book of John, 
first, uh, second, and third John. Uh, Justin the Martyr, uh, led by AD 150, speaks of John, one of the apostles of Christ, who prophesied in Revelation. So again, all referencing who the author is, John, the son of Zebedee. Uh, the purpose and the message of the book of Revelation. Uh, have this coming from Revelation 17, verse 14. The purpose is to bring comfort and hope to the faithful few. The book of Revelation, as we'll talk about as we're going through this, the the over the the large point is, as we look at Revelation, as we'll get into this, is that Christians have the victory. That is the overwhelming point that comes home in the book of Revelation. Uh, to bring comfort and hope to the faithful, Revelation seventeen fourteen. Christians were undergoing terrible persecution and sufferings. The Roman persecutors were known for their cruelty. You can compare our struggle today against sin and error. We, no doubt, have to deal with sin and error in our lives and the world in which we live. Uh, those during the time period of Revelation, uh, which uh, John was, was speaking of, uh, Christians were under great persecution. Uh, another purpose, and I have five purposes here, not just to bring comfort and hope to the faithful few, but also to encourage Christians who stand firmly and courageously with Christ is another point for us to think about. To encourage Christians who stand firmly and courageously with Christ. Uh, also to point out that one cannot um, cannot both worship Caesar and God. A person cannot worship Caesar and God. We would say today a person cannot worship uh <laughs> Or pay worship also means to pay homage to, but we cannot pay homage to or worship uh, any government official, or and we can we definitely cannot do that and worship God at the same time. Um, another point, uh, another purpose and message of, of Revelation is to show the triumph of right, the triumph and victory of the church. Right will win, Revelation seventeen and verse fourteen. Right will win. The theme of the book is victory, and the Lord's people will be more than conquerors. The Lord's people will be more than conquerors. Okay, to whom was it written? To Christians in the first century and to the seven churches. The seven churches were located uh, where one of the strongest concentrations of Roman emperor worship was located. And so again, heavy persecution, obviously. The time of the writing, many scholars say Revelation was written before A.D. 70, the time of Nero. Many others say it was written around the edge of the reign of Domitian, uh, who lived, he reigned between 81 and 96. Um, tradition also overwhelmingly votes, uh, tradition, which means, what I mean by that is what's commonly recognized as being the date, uh, is A.D. 96. Theories of interpretation. This is where it gets really interesting. We don't even get out in the, of the introduction before we start talking about some things that are very interesting because we know there's a lot of different ways people interpret the book of Revelation. In fact, I have listed here, let's see, there's five. Um, let's see, five. Yeah, I have five different views of interpretation. Okay, the first is the futurist view. This is perhaps the most speculative of the methods of interpreting. This view believes that nearly all the book is yet to be fulfilled. They, this view means, I think, it's future. It hasn't yet happened yet. Uh, 
in chapters 4 through 19 are a pattern for the seven years known in this theory as the rapture. Uh, in, I have a typo here. In fact, in fact, in chapters 4 through uh, 19 are a pattern for the seven years known uh, in this theory as the rapture. The seven years. There's a series of books. Um, I can say that now. Most people know what I'm talking about. The... Um, Huh, tip of my tongue. Oh, Erwin's Rapture. I forget what it's called now. It's slipping my mind. Um, Left Behind series. That's what I'm trying to think of. Uh, Kirk Cameron was in a lot of the movies regarding that series. Um, the Left Behind series is based uh, largely up on false teaching from chapters 4 through 19, the futuristic view. Uh, these also... Uh, this is when the saints are supposed to be caught up. The rapture is supposed to be when the saints are caught up to be in the air to meet Jesus, while everyone else stays here on earth. Uh, they they see a rapture of all the Jews of Palestine are building the temple, the reign of Christ in Jerusalem for a thousand years. Uh, we commonly call this the premillennial theory. This is set forth in the notes of the Schofield Reference Bible. I don't have one of those. I'd love to have one just so I could read in detail their beliefs on that uh, and how they try to justify that. I do have two books back here that I have solely for, where's it at? Um, yeah, for this purpose. A good brother in Christ gave to me because a Baptist preacher gave them to him. And uh, when I was doing this study, actually in South Carolina, he gave them to me. And I have them to help me understand their views on it, though the Bible disagrees with them. Uh, in fact, he would talk. He talks about this in some parts of uh, of this as uh, picturing even Christ coming and being a part of the, a physical battle. And no disrespect, but when I read these books, um, what I came away with was more confusion. There was no clarity to it at all. You know, books like these are supposed to help you write books like this to help clarify things um there was no clarification not meant to be rude towards anyone who's listening who's a member of, of a denomination and hold and has held some of these views uh perhaps in the past but i encourage you to uh reconsider because as you go through this we're gonna we're gonna see how some of these things just cannot these things cannot be true uh, but he wrote one on the return of jesus christ and a second one on the coming of christ the other one says an easy god understanding its truth and significance the other one says an easy god understand today's events in the light of biblical prophecy um i use these for reference to understand some of these views like like this here the premillennial view um yeah Anyway, um, so the next view here is what's called the, the I'm going to spell it, P-R-E-T-E-R-I-S-T, the uh, pre-terrorist view. I'm butchering that probably. This has to do with the past, particularly with the Jewish nation and pagan Rome before A.D. 70. These say most of all, most of Revelation uh, took place before A.D. 70. This is the conviction of many scholars, particularly Roman Catholics. Uh, they say it happened before A.D. 70. Um, though history and, and, and even secular history points to the events that transpired, as we're going to talk about, because it's figurative. We're not talking about literal um, 
bowls of wrath. We're not talking, we're talking about literal beasts. Uh, you know, there are people today, I know they're out there, who think the vaccine is a sign, one of the marks of the beast. You know, over the years, how many times you hear people say, well, that's like the mark of the beast? Um, anyway, there's a lot of things concerning uh, the book of Revelation that have been pulled way out of context. And it's not as scary as what people make out to be. Um, there's a lot of stuff in it. But anyway, so they say that the, 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 this here is one that's particularly applied to the Catholics, Roman Catholics, saying that they, they believe most, of all, most if not all of Revelation took place before A.D. 70. Uh, the third view is the continuous historical view. Uh, this is a popular view held by by some members of the church. Uh, John T. Hines uh, apparently talks about this in his commentary. I have this in my notes here. This view claims that Revelation is a panoramic view of literal history from the time of John to the second coming, especially the history of Western Europe. Interesting. Uh, those who embrace this view are hopelessly divided over what historical event is represented by the particular symbols. Um, some who hold this view would have an interesting conversation with those who are premillennial uh, because they also want to apply certain events to, they do it future tense, to certain nations. You know, the North, I think it was, I think this guy over here, whose book I threw on the floor, um, he applied the, i trying to remember now, from the North was supposed to be for Russia. Uh, and I don't remember what all these nations were. Uh, if I have time, I might open up those and try to bring out some of that. Um, anyway, um, the spiritual or symbolic view. This seems this this sees uh, the symbols as a series of visions descriptive of God's triumph over evil. None of these symbols have to do with specific happenings in history. The principal failure is that it does not consider the historical background against which Revelation is written. And the last one, the historical first century background view. Uh, this view asks the question, did the book mean anything to first century Christians? What about the rest of the world? This view says that the book means something to first century Christians with, within the context, their day and time, of what was happening to them. Whatever hope and victory is promised to first century Christians is also promised to subsequent uh, generations. This view deals with the conflict of right and wrong, truth and error, with the historical setting of John's day. But, it is principle, but in principle, is equally applicable uh, to any time. So there's those are the five views. Um, let me get over here. Next, uh, let's see how much time. We have about three minutes here. Uh, let's look at um, the character and nature of the book. At least the notes I have here, and we're probably going to stop today. We're not even going to get through the book, through the introduction. Uh, the character and nature of the book is a book of symbolism. Animals and figures, etc. are used to indicate certain facts and events. Verse 1 indicates signs or symbols are used in this book. Uh, there are three types of material. Uh, Poptolyptic, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, Literature 12, verse 2. Romans 16, 25 through 26. And I have some brothers listed here. Ezekiel, Daniel, and parts of Zechariah are also examples of of um, apocalyptic literature 
apocalyptic literature always has certain predominant characteristics. It is always written in a code of language, figurative language. Uh, most of this literature deals with judgment and the end of something. It is a, as we look, go back and looking at these um, uh, three types of material. First, apocalyptic. Second is a prophecy. Chapter 1, verse 3. Chapter 22, 9 and 10. Chapter 22, 18 and 19. And third, it is an epistle. Chapter 1, verses 5 through 6. Uh, chapter 1, verse 11 through 12. And chapter 22, 20, chapter 22 verse 21. Uh, let's see here. The key. Let's see here. I have a typo here. The key. I want to say the key to the key note or the key thing to notice is in is in the book uh, is Revelation one chapter Revelation chapter one verses one through three. I want to say the key note in the book uh, is Revelation chapter one verses one through three. Oh, we may even have it pulled up here. Yeah, let me pull this up. We're going to read this, and we're going to stop here, because next I have here a long list of the Caesars. Um, but if you look at chapter Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 uh, through 3 says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave, gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. That's a phrase that's so big in this book. Uh, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. He bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things that are written in it, uh, for the time is near. Those three verses, and that's why I have this here. This is a key to the book, is chapter 1, 1 through 3. Uh, so much there for us to remember as we go through this. Okay, we're going to stop there. Um we are right at 30 minutes. When we come back next week, um, we're going to pick up by looking at, we're going to talk, discuss briefly the, the Caesars here, and I have mentioned, have listed here 14 of them. Uh, we'll talk about the seven churches in an introductory way. We'll talk about some figures of language, because we're almost in to the end of the introduction. And so once we do that, next week we'll do some final remarks on the introduction and get into chapter 1. Okay, I do thank you for being here with me today. Hope you have found this study uh, interesting and helpful. Uh, I believe as we go through this that you it will be a very enjoyable study. I do encourage you to, like with all of our studies, to be, feel free to share these things with others, to invite your friends to watch along with you. And I hope, you, hope this has been helpful. Hope you have a good rest of your day, and I will see you again next time.